previously on Dynasty in the Woods. The final game of the 2018 college baseball season with nothing less than the national championship going to the winner of tonight's ball game. No score, bottom of the first. The strike one pitch is a ground ball into left field, base hit. Caden Grenier trots home, Warnick stops at second. Another run batted in for Adley Rutschman, and the Beavers lead it one to nothing. Campbell strike two pitch, a ground ball, back of third, a fair ball. Grabbed by Casey Martin, throws wide of first. Rettler is safe, Warnick scores, the Beavers lead it two to nothing. After one inning in the national championship game, Oregon State already led 2-0. And here on episode 17 of Dynasty in the Woods, we'll relive the final eight innings of the 2018 college baseball season. Hi again, everybody. I'm your host, Josh Warden. Kevin Abel did not allow a hit in the top of the first, and once his offense spotted him a two-run lead, he held up his end again in the second. 2-0 Beavers, top of the second. Abel's change, swung on and missed. Strike three. You could just tell he was on. Like, when Kevin's stuff is on, he's spotting it up, it's moving, it's doing all kinds of different stuff. You know, the first couple innings, it was like, uh-oh, like, they're in trouble because he's throwing his fastball for a strike. The changeup's obviously working, and he's got the curveball going. Two innings into the national championship game, Kevin Abel had not allowed a hit yet, and Oregon State already led 2-0. to zero. But after OSU went down in order in the bottom of the second, Kevin Abel came back out for a somewhat less smooth third inning. You know, one of our strengths is our starting pitching. During that World Series, as you well know, we just couldn't get our starters through the fourth inning. It was kind of amazing. Almost every game so far in the College World Series, Oregon State's starting pitcher would falter early, oftentimes in the third inning. Early in the game, you know, he had a third inning, I think it was. He had a little bit of trouble. The outfield with the wind blowing in, medium depth straight away, and a 1-0 pitch is hooked into the left field corner. Kyle Novak chases it down. It's off the middle of the fence. Cook on his way for two. The throw on a hop from Novak, not in time. A leadoff double for Grant Cook. After that, Kevin Abel did get a strikeout to calm things down a little, but then gave up a walk and a single. Bases loaded, one out for Heston Kerstad, and it will lead to activity in the Beavers' bullpen with Dylan Pierce, Grant Gambrell heading down to the pen. After the second inning, they called me down to the bullpen and were like, you need to get ready. Abel trying to flip that script here with two balls and two strikes and one out and the bases loaded. The 2-2 pitch on the way, fastball swung on and missed, strike three, two down. We had the bases loaded. We're down two nothing. You know, as a coach, I'm thinking just that we got to score one. Let's tie it up, or maybe maybe we can break this thing open and get a little momentum. Um, maybe we can get him out of the game. And he just did a great job. The one-two pitch from Abel looped into right field, coming in a hurry as Warnick. He gets there to make the catch. The inning is over. Arkansas leaves three. If Oregon State was frustrated halfway through Game 2 when the Beavers were on the brink of elimination, now Arkansas was feeling the mounting exasperation and it crescendoed in the next half inning when Isaiah Campbell walked Caden Grenier on four pitches and things got a little crazy in Trevor Larnick's at-bat. The pitch to Trevor misses, low and inside, ball one, one and oh. Grant Cook is asking Joe Burleson, if, did I block you? Well, I thought the pitch was both down he's saying, and in. That's what he's saying. The argument right now is I, I think he's going to. He's getting close to tossing someone. Yeah, here. no, I, and I think I think he just and, tossed him. 
Yeah, and you know what, Jim? Several things here. This could be frustration. You can't argue balls and strikes. Yeah. But that pitch was not a strike. They're arguing over something where the threshold is not high enough to get that agitated over, in my opinion. The guy who got tossed was Arkansas's director of video and scouting, Zach Barr. Not that his absence will mean a lot, but the tangible thing was the message it sent. When he got ejected, it's just like, you know, it solidifies to us even more. They're not at a good place right now. And I absolutely remember, you know, that guy getting yard. That was game three. That was when it was over. Yeah, I mean, that just emotions were high, man. It was an emotional stage. This was the biggest stage that any of us had ever played. And in that emotionally charged stage, Arkansas was starting to unravel. Isaiah Campbell was pulled from the game, having recorded just six outs, and his replacement Jake Rindle walked Trevor Larnick to set up Adley Rutschman, who had already notched his 100th hit of the season back in the first inning. Adley, an RBI single in his first at-bat, his 82nd run driven in this year. Grenier at second, Larnick at first, nobody out. The pitch to Adley, a line drive, base hit to left field. Caden Grenier will score. Larnick stops at second. Adley Rutschman, another RBI single. The Beavers lead it three to nothing. That extended the lead to three to zero and added a feather in Adley Rutschman's feather-laden cap. His 16th hit in this eighth game in the College World Series, Jim. If I could do the math on that, that's that's about two a game. Just about right? now. But it's also, in this 72nd College World Series, the all-time College World Series record. Nobody in the 72 years has more than Adley Rutschman. To the top of the fourth inning we go. Right-hander Kevin Abel worked out of a bases-loaded and one-out jam last inning and put a zero on the board. Kevin Abel had nearly lost control in the third inning, but escaped unscathed. Still, there are 18 outs left to get for OSU. Abel is on a pretty short leash with multiple relievers at the ready, including Dylan Pierce. I remember we got in a little bit of a tight situation towards the later part of the third, and they just said, okay, well, we're going to see how he does in the fourth. If he can make it out, great. You got the fifth, but you need to be hot because you're, you're our next guy coming in, and you're going to take it from there. And I'm like, okay. I thought we were in pretty good shape if we could get through the fifth with him because then I knew we had some guys that were ready to go in the pen. Kevin Abel, the winning pitcher last night, wouldn't it be something for him to go five and be in position to get four wins in the College World Series? And it's right around this point in the game that things changed for Kevin Abel. Strike one pitch on the way. Fletcher, a fly ball to shallow right center field. Larnick, who comes in to make the catch. Carson Shaddy takes low and in. Now the 1-0 pitch sends Larnick deep to right field. Trevor goes back to the warning track and makes the catch here. Two down. The 2-1 pitch is lifted high in the air on the left side. Gretler calls and Grenier says, no, I got this one too. And Caden is true to his word. A 1-2-3 inning for Kevin Abel. A smooth fourth inning for Kevin to keep Oregon State in front 3-0. Oregon State went scoreless in the bottom of the fourth, so it wasn't long before Abel came back out for the fifth inning. And it's Kyle Novak, glasses down, looking into the bright Omaha sun. He makes the catch, one away. The 1-2 fastball grounded to Caden Grenier. The Beaver shortstop up with it and throws a strike to Zach Taylor. Two down in the top of the fifth inning. Abel, with 23 pitches last night, has made 72 now tonight. 
If Kevin Abel posts a 1-2-3 inning here, he'd reach the goal of five innings and without giving up a run. Two down, nobody on. He falls behind to Eric Cole, though. The 2-0 pitch is high, ball three, 3-0. Three Kevin Abel's streak of seven batters in a row set down was tested here, but he bounced back throwing two strikes to make it a full count. Kevin turns and comes to the plate, 3-2, chops slowly towards Madrigal. Nick plays it at the belt buckle and throws to first, and it's a 1-2-3 inning again. Once it got to the fourth and fifth inning, I was like, oh my goodness, Kevin's rolling. This is the guy we've seen so much of in practices do this, and as he had done the last month of baseball. So kind of knew at that point it was kind of our, our time to shine. Everything fell into play. Any ball that would get hit, it went right to somebody or was a perfect ground ball to someone or a line drive to somebody, and it was just everything literally went our way. I was just expected to go as far as I can and get as many outs as I could. And that's why you kind of saw, I think I sat like 88 to 90 the first four innings or four or five innings. Kevin Abel had completed five scoreless innings and his fastball velocity was in the high 80s, slightly below his normal spot in the low 90s. Came out after the inning and had that conversation with Yeski and he said, hey, this is more than what we expected. So everything from here on out is just a bonus. And I said, all right, I'm gonna give you everything I got. After the fifth inning, Kevin Abel's fastball velocity rose up to 91 to 93 miles an hour. I mean, it was mostly fastball change. He was just doing it so easy, uh, so confident, so dominating. After using the changeup and fastball pairing the first five innings, Kevin Abel not only increased his fastball velocity, but altered his pitch selection as well. I didn't really have the curveball you know, to start the game. and. We didn't even call it probably innings three through six, I want to say. But, you know, just fastball command and then throwing the changeup off it, you know, just overlaying the tube. So Kevin started thinking about bringing the curveball back into play while the Beaver offense was intent on adding some run support. Scroggins out of the stretch, works Grattler 2-2, breaking ball lifted to right. This will be deep enough to get Adley home. Eric Cole backs up, makes the catch. Adley tags on his way to the plate, and he scores standing up. And the Beavers lead it 4-0 on the sacrifice fly by Michael Grattler. A four-run lead through the fifth inning, and Kevin Abel came back out for the sixth. And the very first pitch of the sixth inning was a significant one. Casey Martin to lead things off. Abel's first pitch off speed and fouled at the plate. It may not seem noteworthy, a foul ball to make it 0-1, but Kevin Abel had been planning that pitch since the prior inning and told Nate Yeski what he had in mind. I went up to Yeski and said uh, that I wanted to throw an 0-0 curveball to, to Martin, you know, because I wanted to keep the feel for it because we hadn't thrown it in a while. And I figured he was sitting fastball, and he swung really, really hard and just missed it. So I was... That was good, and that's kind of when it turned around for me. It just kind of just kept feeding them in there, and they kept working. Kevin Abel is already pitching a shutout in the sixth inning, and he calls this at-bat a turning point. He's only allowed just two hits so far, and he only seemed to be getting better. Kevin Abel rocks, kicks, and comes 0-2. Fastball swung out and missed. Strike three, a three-pitch strikeout for Abel. Nine straight Razorbacks now retired by Kevin Abel. In the meantime, there was a defensive switch for OSU to start the sixth inning. Preston Jones came in to replace Jack Anderson. With this being the last game of Jack Anderson's career, being subbed out meant he had just spent his final moments playing for Oregon State. And Jack still remembers the moment Pat Bailey told him about the substitution. 
Bales was like, hey, we're just gonna put pressure in. Like he's got a little more speed. And then like four pitches later, there was a ball in the gap that he snagged pretty easily. And I was like, Bales, good call there. I'm not sure I would have got to that one. Four nothing Beavers, two two pitch lifted to right center field. Preston Jones and Larnick on the move. And Jones makes the catch stepping in front of Larnick. Kevin Abel then got Luke Bonfield to ground out to close the sixth inning. 11 straight Arkansas batters put out, and now there's only three innings left between Oregon State and the national championship. We're, you know, in the sixth or seventh inning, and I'm like, it does not feel like we're playing for the College World Series right now. I just remember feeling like we got this in the bag. There's nothing to worry about. It's almost like we knew the outcome before the game was even over. Definitely an interesting three innings, just kind of like aimlessly, just like, all right, we can do this. Like, let's not mess this up. The 2-2 pitch on the way to Dominic, grounded towards Grenier, who was playing behind the bag, comes in front of the bag. Yes, he's and on throws it, yes! to Zach Taylor. Boom, yes. out. Yeah, boom, he's out. Says boom. the first base umpire, Jeff Hendricks. Boom, out of here. Kevin Abel is booming for sure, having allowed no runners since the bases loaded escape four innings ago. And if his velocity starts to come back down a bit, no matter, his curveball is working again. One out, nobody out in the seventh. Curveball in there. Boy, I'll tell you, I'll bet he's thrown less than 10 of those 95 deliveries have been curveballs. But you know he's got it, and then when, it, when he throws it, it's out of nowhere. Mixing that fastball 90, 92 miles an hour with that plus changeup, just showing that fastball enough that kept us out front. Breaking ball was good, didn't throw it a lot, but it really had depth. Uh, just kept us off balance. Able to the plate, swung out and missed, strike three. Rutschman grabs the ball and tags Carson Shaddy out. Two away in the bottom of the seventh. And Kevin Abel, Jim, has been dealing since Casey Martin's infield single in the third. One and two, two down, four nothing, Beavers in the seventh. Fastball pulled on the ground to Zach Taylor. He will run it to the bag himself. The inning is over. Kevin Abel has retired 14 in a row. I don't think anyone expected him to pitch as long as he did. I think I've seen stuff where Case said, yeah, we wanted to get, you know, two or three innings out of him. But there was no way that he was going to let anyone take him out of that game, especially as he continued to get one guy after the other. It was incredible. Everything was on. His stuff was electric. And I think the biggest thing that honestly all of us we were so proud of was his demeanor and his confidence on the mound. I mean, he made some of those guys look silly during that game. Guys ducking out of the way of curveballs, flailing over changeups. That was, I think, the definition of when, when you hear people say they were in the zone. He was unbelievable. Everything he did was very close to perfection. And as the game went along, it became apparent that they were overpowered. Pretty easy day in the field for all of us, but it's uh, fun to be right there and, and get a witness uh, a pitching performance like that. Sometimes you hit that just next level where it doesn't matter what the hitters are doing, you're not coming out of it. Ben Wetzler, who had plenty of his own next-level games as an All-American for Oregon State four years earlier, was blown away by Kevin Abel in Game 3 and knew that Abel probably wasn't coming out anytime soon, even with 102 pitches on the day. But in a moment like that, I mean, Abel was out of this world. That was so much fun to watch. And that's one of those things, like, it wouldn't have mattered if Kayserieski tried to come get the ball from him. They would have left with a blackout. Abel wasn't coming out of the game. Nate and I talked about the fact that, hey, you know, if he gets anybody on, let's get somebody hot and get him in. And, and he just, nobody got on. I mean, what are you going to do? 
in the fifth or sixth inning, Yeski has already told him, hey, one guy gets on, you're coming out. And you're just sitting there going, wait, we haven't had one guy out in like four innings? And this is like the maybe like the eighth inning. You're like, not one dude's on for four innings. You're like, okay, this dude is just absolutely dicing. You know, it was the eighth inning and I couldn't imagine. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't even believe what I was watching. He never put us in a position after the third inning where we even thought, okay, now we got to get a guy up. But when we were ready for that, I mean, we talked about it. Hey, if you get somebody on, that's it. But he just kept getting better and better. At that moment, you're like, okay, uh, I, I don't know what else to do here because we haven't had anybody on in a while. And I mean, not realizing that it was like 20 straight batters. The guy was chopping. I mean, he was such in a zone that it was hard to take him out, right? You know, you couldn't take a guy out who was that locked in. If you hear from Tyler Graham, who led the meditation sessions for OSU players, the reason why Kevin was playing so well comes directly from the mental skills practices Kevin bought into. If you saw his face on the mound and how composed he was, it was like he was playing a video game. His mouth was closed. He was calm. His heart rate was down. He wasn't stressed out. And some kids can be like that for a couple pitches or a couple innings, but he was able to sustain that for the entire game. And, and that's when you know you finally have conquered the mental game. And, and you could just tell in his face. It's almost like he kind of had no emotion at some point. He was just, he was so in tune with his process that he kind of became his process. Alan likes to say that, but... I mean, it was true. You, I remember going in the dugout, I'm, I'm not talking to that guy. Zach Taylor referenced Alan Jager, the mental skills coach who helped Kevin Abel develop a process he identified with so much, it became innate to who he was. And Zach is right. Whenever Kevin Abel was in the dugout, there was an invisible bubble around him. Not that Kevin tells people to stay away from him, but for the most part, they did. Alan Jager was watching Kevin Abel and saw the sort of zone that Kevin was in. Kevin was sort of a meditation incarnate as well. If you watch, he looks like he's in a meditation throughout the whole game. I mean, if you really watch the video, instead of watching the video like, oh, this guy's really dealing, it's easy to just follow that. But if you really step back and just watch the video, there's a sense of like, wow, he is just, he's calm, he's quiet, but man, is he present and you can feel it. He looked very unusually calm probably the calmest I've ever seen him. A couple guys have made comments about you in game three, like, oh, he looked like he was playing a video game or he just looked so calm mentally. What felt different about that game three? I didn't make the moment too big because I knew I wasn't expected to do really well. I was just kind of just give us all you guys. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure. I knew we were going to put up runs and they did that early on. So that really took care of that pressure. It was just go out there and make pitches and say, that's really all I did. It's strange that that's a, a freshman who's that calm and collected. Very strange for that situation, right? Game three in Omaha. It was strange because that's not who he was just two months ago. Jake Mulholland points out maybe the craziest thing about it. This was the same freshman who was getting tossed around in the Pac-12 just a couple months prior. Two months ago, he would struggle to have a relief appearance, and it looked like he was nervous when we were playing a random team on a Tuesday. Two months ago, we were at the University of Arizona. He struck out the side. We're beating him, about to beat him in the series, and he's taught in the dugout, comes out the next half, loads the bases, and blows the game. And then from that to then fast-forwarding into game three, that was probably the biggest jump I've ever seen someone make. And it was all mental, really. At what point did you realize oh, I might actually finish this game. 
I mean, that's always kind of the goal whenever you start a game. So like, I want to I finish it. I guess that's what you're always working towards, but I knew at any moment I could get taken out. In my head, there's there only one guy I was handing the ball off to, and that was Luke. Luke Heimlich was spending his final game in a Beaver uniform after four years at OSU, and by this time, Luke was an unofficial captain of the pitching staff. If Kevin Abel was done after seven innings or soon after, he wanted Luke to close it out. In the meantime, Oregon State was up to bat in the bottom of the seventh. Four nothing Beavers, two down, bottom of the seventh. And with two outs and two strikes on Tyler Malone, you start looking ahead to the top of the eighth. Mike, my personal opinion is I think Kevin Abel is finished. Now, I don't know. He's had 102 pitches. There's no one throwing in the bullpen. The strike two pitch, Malone swings and misses. The Beavers have their quietest inning of the night, and that gets the Razorback fans hopeful, believing that they can stage a dramatic comeback. 102 pitches for Abel through seven. He's retired 14 in a row. And we're waiting to see if uh, Kevin comes out again. I think he's, he's going to. He's got to, yeah. I don't see anybody coming out of the bullpen. And there's nobody throwing in the pen. We go to the eighth in Omaha. The Beavers four, Arkansas nothing. One, two, breaking ball taken. Strike three call. One away. Fastball down the middle. Strike two. One and two to Jax Biggers. Top of the eighth inning. One out, nobody on. And these guys, once they get to two strikes, I mean, it's, it really, uh, it just changes their entire approach. Abel turns the one-two changeup, swung on and missed. Strike three, two down in the top of the eighth inning. And Kevin Abel with a beautiful pull of the string on the change with his eighth strikeout. Now Arkansas is back to the top of the order, so this was the fourth time through the lineup for Kevin Abel. Well, if this is it for Kevin Abel, he certainly would be credited with finishing strong. <laughs> he is trying to finish another 1-2-3 inning. The freshman righty, whom Pat Casey said, and you heard it early, he's got Friday night stuff in the Pac-12 as a freshman. Took him a while to grow into it. The 2-0 fastball on the inside corner for a strike. Fought himself off and on. He said, I had to start believing in myself. He went to work with Greg Warburton, Tyler Graham, working on his mental acumen and staying sharp. The pitch is a comebacker fielded by Abel. Underhands to Zach Taylor for out number three in the eighth. And the Beavers are three outs away from a national championship. Abel has gone eight scoreless, two-hit shutout baseball. Now the question becomes, is Kevin Abel done? Quite a conversation with Nate Yeske and freshman right-hander Kevin Abel. The best game of his life on the biggest stage. And if it is the end of the line for Kevin, what more could you ask from anyone? But a true freshman righty, eight innings, two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. As Kevin Abel was talking with Nate Yeski, Kyle Noback remembers coming back to the dugout as he's preparing for the last at-bat of his career and hearing Kevin Abel make his case to Yeski to let him come back out for the ninth inning. I remember, I, I think Abel was just saying, you know, I'm not coming out, I'm not coming out. You could tell Abel was stating a case to Nate Yeski, the pitching coach. Let me finish it. I'm good to go. <laughs> and he has made 114 pitches with the 23 from last night tacked on. And 114 matches his season high. But, boy, he was good. I really believe it's, it's Mulholland here just because of the pitch total, 114. Jake Mulholland is loosening in the pen. Kevin Abel did not win the argument. I think Caden Grenier was 
lobbying on behalf of April as well. I asked Hayden about this moment and if he tried to convince the coaches, he did not recall a specific conversation of that sort, but even more what he knew was the coaches would be very deliberate with their decision making. I know that they were both very concerned because he had just thrown the night before, he, had, he was having a lot of pitches already, and even when the kid is just absolutely going after it, they still were thinking about taking him out because that pitch count was way too high. But at the same time, when Yeski says, hey, if one guy gets on, you're out, and then nobody gets on for six innings, you know, what are you supposed to do? Caden knows Pat Casey and Nate Yeski are men of their word, and Kevin Abel had held up his end of the deal. The kid wanted to keep going out there. He obviously had the gas to do it. There's no way in hell you were getting Kevin Abel out of that game unless he put somebody on. Obviously, Kevin was not supposed to go nine innings. He was only going to go like four or five, but he, you know, didn't let anyone get on base for like the last four innings straight. Jake Mulholland, the Beavers' closer, remembers talking with Yeski prior to this moment. In the, I think in the seventh inning, Yeski had told me to go down and said, you know, start getting warm. And then in the eighth, he said, when a guy gets on, you're in. But Kevin Abel did not let a guy on base in the eighth inning either. His fifth straight one, two, three inning. He got through the eighth really easily. I was getting hot for the ninth, just assuming I would probably go in at some point. So Mulholland is ready for the ninth, all while Oregon State is at the plate trying to extend the lead even further than 4-0. 4 nothing Beavers in the bottom of the eight trying to find some insurance for, we believe, Jake Mulholland in the ninth. Michael Gretler started with a walk to bring up Preston Jones. Remember that Preston and Jack Anderson have been filling in for injured center fielder Stephen Kwan, who even now was still hoping he might get one last chance to play for Oregon State. During the middle part of these games, I would be in the tunnel rehabbing. Jeremy would hook me up to like a stim machine just to see if like I can get the muscles kind of regenerate and get and feel good. If Case needed me for a bunt situation, I told him if I get the bunt down and like it's a good bunt, I'll either back pedal or shuffle because that's what made my, my hamstring feel good. So I was kind of hoping I could get one of those where like I drop a bunt down and back pedal to first. This was also Quan's plan in the North Carolina game. And just to clarify, Quan really was being serious about this. I absolutely would have, because I could backpedal and shuffle actually comfortably. Just like the North Carolina game, Quan was ready to shuffle or backpedal, but didn't get the chance. He ended up not playing at all in game three, but fortunately, he didn't need to. In this situation, Preston Jones did the job with a sack bun to push Gretler to second, and then Kyle Novak, in his last at-bat in his Oregon State career, moved Gretler to third on a ground ball. That brought up Zach Taylor with two outs. Two and one the count. Fastball, line drive, base hit to right field. Zach Taylor had the biggest at-bat of his life in the ninth inning last night. This is not attended with the same high drama in the bottom of the eighth tonight, but a line drive single to right to score Michael Gretler. The Beavers lead it five to nothing. That feeling for me was big because I felt like that was kind of the dagger. And that's why Taylor could let loose a little. I remember coming off the field, looking at our small fan section, you know, in the sea of red, and I was just fist pumping. Maybe said some choice words too, but I, I mean, I was fired up, and I feel like that was needed in that moment. For me specifically, I remained so calm and cool, and I still knew we had another, you know, half inning. At the same time, I kind of needed to let that out because I, I was just fired up, and, you know, I was excited. Zach Taylor's single also potentially impacted the pitching situation for Oregon State. 
I was back in the dugout and Zach Taylor hit that single. And I think as soon as that happened, I think just sending Abel back out was more likely. Additionally, Zach Taylor's base hit allowed for one final at-bat for Nick Madrigal. Madrigal swings, hits a soft liner, caught by Jax Biggers. The inning is over. Nick does not get ahead in the championship series, but I can assure you that if Jake Mulholland gets the final three outs, Nick Madrigal will be as zealous and enthusiastic a cheerleader as anyone for his teammates in his final game as a Beaver. We go to the top of the ninth. The Beavers three outs away from the national championship, and it's Kevin Abel who won the argument. He goes to the bump <laughs> in the top of the ninth inning. The Beavers five, Arkansas nothing. Abel will try to bring it home when we return to TD Ameritrade. I, I never would have dreamed that he was going to go nine innings. Abel just kept coming in and saying, this is the easiest I've ever thrown. Ball's just coming out of my hand. I'm relaxed. I'm loose. I have no stress. And I just said, well, all right. My job was to go as far as I could, whether it was three innings, four innings. didn't matter. Just go out there and make pitches and get as many outs as I could. You know, it was such a big stage that I think there was no doubt he was going out regardless. You know, just striking guys out left and right. You just knew he was just going to roll into the ninth inning, no problem. It was fun. I got to watch half of a baseball game while I sat in the dugout and saw our guys hit, and I got to play in half of a baseball game, which is my favorite thing to do. So just having a good time. I just looked at the guy, and I go, I know I should be taking you out of the game, but how can I do that? Just get three more outs. I think Chompa's the bit to get those last three outs, even though we, we all know those are the, the toughest three to get. With that lead and Kevin on the mound, we were ready to get those three outs and, and get on with the celebration. And the Beavers three outs away from bringing home a national championship for the third time. Kevin Abel ahead of the count to Casey Martin, one and two to lead off the ninth. Kevin delivers, breaking ball, swung out and missed. Strike three. Adley Rutschman throws to Zach Taylor for the put out at first. One away in the top of the ninth inning, 18 straight, retired by Kevin Abel. With Kevin Abel eating up inning after inning on the championship stage, it would be understandable if the other OSU pitchers like Heimlich, Mulholland, Pierce, or others were both happy for Kevin's performance, but also hoping they would get their own chance in the limelight. Obviously, I, would, I want to pitch. Like, you know, it would be stupid to say I wouldn't, but... I think that the reason that our team was as good as we were is because the guys on the team wanted to see other people succeed. At that point, I, I honestly didn't care. I wanted to win that game for us. I could care less if I you know didn't throw it all. I wanted nothing more than for Kevin to finish that game. At that point, that was his game to finish, his moment of greatness where he would become basically the next college star. He earned it, he should have finished that. All I cared about was that we got the win for our team. It was in the ninth inning when Dylan Pierce made a change of plans. I remember I stayed in the bullpen the whole time up until the ninth inning. And, you know, they're like, get ready, get ready, just stay ready. And it was to the point where I'm like, you know what? We were already, we're so close. I'm like, I'm not staying down here. I'm going down into the dugout. I'm like, if I have to, I'll sprint back. Similar to Dylan Pierce, Stephen Kwan had also hoped to play in Game 3 before realizing it wasn't going to happen, but Kwan's memory of the ninth inning has nothing to do with not playing. In that ninth inning, what I remember is I had my arms around Bryce Femmel and, and Luke Heimlich. It was like a very understood thing that it was like two outs in the ninth, and we were just like, dude, 
this is really about to happen. All this hard work, like it was all unspoken, but we we're just like, yeah, man, like this is gonna be crazy. Going into the eighth, ninth inning, when you're basically like, hey, this game's over, like we know we're gonna win. You don't really feel it until that last out is made. Caden Grenier, about 23 hours removed from his pop-up that could have ended the championship series, now felt a certain inevitability of the national title going in a different direction. And I think as the ninth inning went on, the excitement and like knowing what is about to happen just kind of slowly increased by every strike. Every strike Kevin threw was like, hey, we're that much closer. Every out, you're like, okay, we're getting there. Two outs away from the championship. The 2-1 pitcher, grounder to Grenier. Caden up with it. Throws across to Zach Taylor, and the Beavers are one out away from the national championship. Two down, top of the ninth inning. Kevin Abel with a chance to finish it here against Luke Bonfield. With one out left before etching his name into the record book along with his teammates, Kevin Abel wasn't thinking about a national title at all. Kind of forgot about that. I'd say probably the last at bat was like, job's pretty much done now. I'm just going to focus up for a few more pitches and this is over. Kevin coming in at 92 miles per hour. Rick Abel, Kerry Abel being shown on the television screens as Abel's 1-0 fastball in there for a strike. Rick and Kerry followed the Beavers so closely last year. They introduced their son, Kevin, to me when the Beavers traveled to Los Angeles to play UCLA. And Kevin said, they said, we don't miss a pitch. We're looking so forward to being with you next year. Curveball in there for a strike. One and two the count. Kevin Abel is a strike away from a complete game shutout in the national championship game in the 2018 College World Series. Zach Taylor, standing at first base, started to look around at his teammates. Nick Madrigal was closest to him as the second baseman, and behind him was Trevor Larnick in right field. It's just how the at-bat was going, how the inning was going. I started to look around, and I always went to Trev. Like, I always looked to Trev, because Trev would kind of give me some acknowledgement. Nick, you know, I let Nick do his own thing. I'm like, dude, this guy's on his, his own world. He's locked in. I kind of look at Nick, and he, you can tell he's just focused, right? And I'm freaking out inside. I got butterflies. I look at Trev, and he starts smiling, you know, kind of nodding at me. And I look at him, and I start smiling. So I turn back around. I'm like, all right, Zach, like, you got to focus up. Like, you just got to do your job. Two down, nobody on. Five-nothing Beavers, top of the ninth. Abel rocks, kicks, delivers, a check swing, and the count two and two on a pitch in the dirt. What a masterful performance by Kevin, who's trying to finish it now, up to 126 pitches, a career high, but he's been smooth and dominant, retired 19 in a row, looking for the 20th straight out, a complete game shutout, and national championship. Two balls and two strikes to Luke Bonfield. Abel ready, delivers, fastball, high, ball three, three and two. The Beavers are a strike away. Arkansas down to its final strike, as were the Beavers last night, albeit in a one-run game. Caden Grenier pushed a single through the six hole to get the Beavers even. Trevor Lornick homer to get the Beavers into this game. Abel trying to end it here and deliver a national title. Two outs, nobody on. The 3-2 pitch on the way, pounded foul at the plate. It remains three balls and two strikes. Kevin Abel keeps coming. I think a base runner, I don't know that you leave him out with a base runner. Kevin Abel would certainly like to get her done right here. 5-0 lead, obviously a cushion for Oregon State. 
The Beavers a strike away and out away from the national championship. Kevin Abel trying to finish it here. The 3-2 pitch on the way. Fastball taken. Strike three call. And for the third time in the modern era, it is my joy and honor to say the Beavers are the national champions. And the only dog pile of the year taking place behind the mound. The Beavers 5, Arkansas nothing. The third national championship in the Pat Casey era. And it's a complete game. Two-hit shutout for the freshman Kevin Abel, who wins four games. The Beavers go the 2006 route. Six elimination games. It's happened twice in College World Series history, and it's the Beavers who've done it twice. And once again, Pat Casey and the Oregon State Beavers are the national champions. After that final out, it was just a blackout, instant blackout. Strike three happens, I see Rutch freak out. And of course, Rutch tosses the ball. It's like, God, put it in your pocket. So he tosses everything. I'm going up to the side. I was one of the first ones there. I didn't really know what to do. I throw my hat, my glove. I don't know where they went. As soon as he gets that last out, your whole body is just like, dude, what? We really just did this. Even though we had all the confidence in the world the entire day going into that, once it hits, you're like, we really just did it. And there's Nick Madrigal jumping for joy and hugging Caden Grenier, hugging the rest of his teammates. It doesn't matter to Nick that he didn't get a hit the last three games. What matters is he is part of a national championship club. Nick starts running over and Nick and I have a big embrace in the middle of the infield. Some of the outfielders came in and then we kind of followed everyone in. We're on the top of the pile basically hugged everybody. When you just work your way around, they hand you a hat, they hand you a shirt, you put it on, and you just find people to go hug. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, I mean, we had the Benny the Beaver out there and everyone's like hugging him. And it's like, dude, it's a mascot. But that was the kind of emotions that were going on. Everyone was just so happy and so stoked that it didn't matter who was out there. You were hugging them, you were telling them how much you loved them. It was just so special to be able to spend it with those guys because every guy on that team, especially 2017 and 18, but even the years before that, you know, every player that was in the program before had kind of laid the foundation and the groundwork to get to that point. You know, I wasn't thinking about myself. It was just this pure joy. I just remember I was in left field and there was a sea of red in the stadium. There was thousands of Arkansas fans and you could just hear those beef fans screaming and everybody was dogpiling behind the mound and I sprinted at that dogpile as hard as I could and I jumped as high as I could. I just got goosebumps and came in and, and ran and probably jumped the highest I've ever I've ever jumped. You know, that was a blurry moment too. You know, we're all just jumping on each other. We were all getting crushed and I just remembered just not really knowing what to do. I'm like sitting here at the very bottom of the dog pile, like, oh my gosh, this is actually real. No, I just remember screaming and just hugging and seeing my family, all of our families were on the field. Everybody was on the field and it was just a moment in time where I had put not just me, but every single guy that was on that team had put so much effort into wanting to have greatness, and we had just done it. Jim, it is something special. I don't even know what to say about Abel's performance, about the Beavers' character and resiliency to get to this point and win the title and dominate this game. Five to nothing. Pat Casey thrusting both of his hands into the air after Kevin Abel completed the two-hit shutout. 
the first thing I did is turn around and, and wrap my arms around the guys who were standing next to me, which were the, which the coaching staff. And then it just seemed like the next split second, you know, my wife and my daughter were standing right next to me, and I had both them in my arms. Just kind of really had a chance to watch the guys go out on the field and know what they had put into this thing and what it meant to them and how it must feel and get to see that, that, that what we had talked about, what we had worked for, came to fruition. I remember seeing Coach Casey and giving the biggest bear hug. I mean, we just shared the biggest embrace after that game. You know, obviously Coach Casey, that's all he wants. All he wants for us is to succeed. And to be able to give him that hug and truly knowing that that's as happy as that dude's going to be, it, it was the best feeling knowing that we just accomplished something really, really, really special. There was a, a nice bucket of water that Billy Rao and Ryan Ortiz were able to deliver on head coach Pat Casey's head while he was being interviewed. Pat said, that was cool. That felt <laughs> good. Before the ice baths, fireworks, and bear hugs was the very beginning of the dog pile with Kevin Abel getting tackled by his catcher, Adley Rutschman. I was just trying to get Kevin to the ground uh, safely. Obviously, I'm going to put a little form into it if I can. Um, you know, got to show the football side a little bit, uh, even though I'm a washed up vet. But I think uh, it's a flood of emotions and you don't really remember it. And I knew I just kind of stayed on the side of the pile because I didn't get like deep down in it. Because Rutch, I mean, Rutch is a big dude. Like he's coming in hot, right? So I don't want any part of that. It wasn't so much of a tackle. It was more of like a, a hug. Kevin Abel downplayed Adley Rutschman's tackle or hug or whatever you want to call it. But even if it wasn't a tackle, Kevin realized the dangerous part was next. Realizing like, oh, I need to get to the ground now. So he was kind of just like walking with me. And then I let him kind of take me to the ground because I knew... There was a lot of bodies coming my way. I was like right on Kevin and Adley. I just remember Kevin just being like, ow, 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 ow. Like we won, this is awesome, ow, 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 ow. So I was like trying to like give him a little like air bubble, give him some space, but that was impossible. Jack Anderson wasn't the only one trying to create an air bubble around Kevin Abel, so was Adley Rutschman. He got on top of me, was able to kind of prop himself up to at least take some of the weight, which I greatly appreciate because I still could not breathe for about 30 seconds. At least it felt like a, a long time under that dog pile. It was very dark, couldn't breathe, but best time of my life. That's dangerous. Yes, very. That's why you only dog pile once a year. I remember he threw the last fastball for strike three, and, and I was actually next to Rutch. Obviously, Adley was the first person to grab a hold of Kevin, but I was actually the next in line to kind of tackle both of them. So I, I ended up on the, uh, the very bottom of the hammer. Dylan Pierce, who had left the bullpen in the ninth inning so he could storm the field from the dugout, ended up at the bottom of the pile next to a very breathless Kevin Abel. I mean, it felt like a truck was laying on top of us because we were just on the bottom and everybody, they just kept jumping, just kept jumping on top. And towards the end, once most of the guys got off, they're like, all right, get him up, get him up. And he like got up off the bottom and he was like, I couldn't breathe down there. Abel wasn't the only player in danger of injury. Stephen Kwan had a choice between putting his injured hamstring to the test or abstaining from the dog pile. Actually, I think I remember trying to get in the dog pile and because I was weary about jumping so high, I had this weak jump and I like jumped in like the lower middle of the dog pile and I got like pushed out and I was like, man, I got to get in there. So then my second jump was like way on top and I made sure I stuck in there. But then I remember just falling out of that dog pile again and just taking a step back and being like, holy cow, like that, that really, this is really happening. Kwani jumped to the top and his hamstring held up just fine. And at the top, he was joined not only by his teammates, but even Benny the Beaver. Running off all adrenaline, it was crazy. 
Evan Thompson, an Oregon product himself who went to high school with Zach Taylor and Adley Rutschman, was in the Benny mascot for game three and jumped right to the apex of that pile. There was an article that came out saying that this Benny has hops, so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> what I really want to do is thank the players. I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart, man. I am so blessed to be able to coach you young men and drive you guys as hard as I can drive you so you got an opportunity to be a champion here and be a champion in life. I remember thinking, you know, never seen a guy put down 20 guys in a row in a College World Series, it's freshman. If it wasn't already on the forefront of everyone's mind, it set in after the dog pile what Kevin Abel had done. Nine innings, complete shutout in the in the biggest game of the year, and he says he didn't have his best stuff. I'm, I'm just baffled right now. It says how good he's going to be. He's a great pitcher. That was the single-handedly the best pitching performance I have ever seen in my life, especially coming off of just throwing in game two. We didn't know what we were going to get from him on game three, especially when uh, he'd pitched the night before. It was an amazing performance on the biggest stage of college baseball, the championship game, and he was out and out sensational. Kevin, how many times have you gone nine innings in, in your career? Zero. That's what I thought, yeah. By the way, Arkansas was not shut out one time this season. The entire year. Not one time this season they were tonight. It probably is lost through all the details just how good he was in the final game. I mean, to throw a two-hit shutout in those circumstances on, on limited rest, that is pretty incredible. And Adley did an incredible job, you know, stealing strikes for him. And the defense played amazing behind him, and he got early run support. But still, I mean, doing that to win a College World Series, I mean, he's, he's a legend. One thing that played a huge role in Game 3, Adley Rutschman's defensive prowess behind the plate. You know, a guy gets on base and it's like, go ahead and steal. You know, do us a favor. But, you know, he, he steals strikes better than anyone. He probably stole about 25 from me tonight. If Adley stole 25 pitches, it's possible the 25th one was on the very last pitch. The batter, Luke Bonfield, thought it was low for ball four, which would have prevented Kevin Abel's streak of reaching 20 batters retired in a row. I think the Beavers would have won the game no matter what, but I couldn't help but ask Kevin about it anyways. Was that last pitch at the bottom of the zone, or was it low and he framed it back up into the zone? Uh... I've seen worse pitches be called strikes. It had been a strike all day long, but Rutch made it look better than it was. I'll be honest. He made it look better than what it was, but it was close enough. Got the job done. <laughs> and there was at least one Oregon State player who did think that last pitch was low. He gets full count and he throws that ball. And I thought it was a ball at first. Jake Mulholland is Oregon State's closer, and he had been told if any Arkansas hitter gets on base, you are coming in to finish game three. And since the last strikeout was on a full count, when he saw the pitch was pretty low, he thought it was a walk. So I opened the fence and started jogging to go in to pitch. I was jogging in there like to go onto the mound. Moments later, Mulholland realized he wasn't the only one running onto the field. And then it was kind of like a delayed strike three, and then it just turned into a full sprint into the dog pile. It was, yeah, definitely a kind of a weird flip of emotion. I was like, well, you know, got to, like, he just walked a guy, like, that sucked. And then turns out it was strike three. Thanks, Adley, for the frame. And I was the last one in the dog pile by a lot, probably, but that's fine. 
After all the players had unraveled themselves from the dog pile safe and sound, the awards were announced, including the College World Series Most Outstanding Player. Kevin Abel did throw a two-hit shutout in the championship game. He was the winning pitcher in four games in Omaha, which had never been done in the history of the College World Series. And in the championship series, he was the winning pitcher in both Game 2 and Game 3. Yet, even Kevin Abel was not the most outstanding player. The most outstanding player and the winner of the John D. Deasing Award for the 2018 NCAA Men's College World Series, Adley Rushman from Oregon State. And Adley deserved it, too. Not only did he have that three-run double against North Carolina, in the Arkansas series, he had six hits between those two victories, more hits than the entire Arkansas lineup in Game 3, plus a home run in that critical Game 2. Offensively, what Rutch did in the World Series was absolutely fascinating. Kevin Abel is a deserving runner-up, and the fact that Kevin and Adley were the battery for all nine innings of the championship game is perfectly fitting. What they did here was, it, it, it'll be remembered for a long time. Well, this is it for episode 17, but we're not quite done with Dynasty in the Woods. On the 18th and final episode, we'll look a little closer at how the national championship impacted the players and coaches, the surprises and lessons they took away from it, also a couple storylines we haven't really talked about yet, and finally, since this championship happened three years ago, we'll look at what's happened in the lives of the players and coaches since then. I've been your host, Josh Warden. Thanks to Learfield IMG College for access to the radio broadcast Thank you as well to 1240 Joe Radio. Also a big thank you to all the individuals who spent time talking with me. A special shout out to Bob Lundeberg, who's got a book coming out on the Beaver baseball team. Check that out in the show notes. Give me feedback if you want at warden.josh at gmail.com. That's warden spelled W-O-R-D-E-N. And thanks again for listening. To all of you who have supported a charity I've talked about on this podcast, I greatly appreciate your effort. If you haven't, please check out Children's Garden, Food for the Hungry, Old Mill Center, and Kingdom Home. Again, thanks for listening. Let's talk one more time next week.